Well, thank you, Brother Andy. Uh, What a beautiful song and what a beautiful reminder. Without him, how lost we would be. Got your Bibles with you this morning. I want you to turn to uh, one scripture to begin with. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Um, Lick your fingers. I know we're not supposed to do that in the days of COVID. Lick your fingers in the sense that we're going to be turning to several scriptures, but I wanted to begin our time this morning by setting the stage from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where I want to go. This morning I want to talk to you about sticking with God because He is stuck to you. Um, You know, we, we sung that song, Because He Lives. And it reminded me of the fact that because he lives, we're going to see difficult days. Because he lives, we're going to see him one day. Because he lives, we may not always have it well, but we always have the promise that he is with us. And I wanted to share with you this morning that uh, we need to stick with God because he is stuck with you. Um, You know, you and I, as we're going through this uh, 2020, this time of COVID where we've been told to separate, we've been told that we need to um, stay distance away from people and, and all of that, it is an opportunity for us to draw even closer to God. There are some of us that are ready to throw in the towel. Amen? Some of us have said, I'm just done with this. I'm over it. It's, it's, it's done. If this is what life is like, I quit. Well, I want to tell you today, uh, hang in there. Um, and we're going we're gonna to see why we need to do that. Alright, so if you've got your Bibles open, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let's stand together here in the audience. Uh, for those of you at home, the, the reference is there on the screen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight of sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Father, we ask that as we bow before you in humble prayer, that you take the hearing of your word. Now let the hearing of your words penetrate our hearts, speak unto us. And Lord, would you take the message of God this morning, the message from the Holy Spirit, and would you work in us and through us? Would you speak unto each and every heart? Lord, drawing us close to you, O Lord. And and Father, for those that are are discouraged and and, and downtrodden and, and Lord are ready to quit, may we be reminded that we have a race set before us that we need to cross the finish line. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to do that today. As we hear from you, let us lay aside that which is is entangling us and strangling us and, and, and separating us. And Lord, let us get back on track with you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Bless this time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Um, The Christian life is not a stroll through the park by any means. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, Nor is it a hundred yard dash. I got a lot of folks who think that, man, if I can just get this thing started, it will be over in a flash. Well, that's not the case either. It's a long distance marathon. It's a lifelong process. Uh, We have been uh, saved from our sin, but we are being sanctified in our flesh every day. Alright, so we're not called to run a quick race, we're called to run a race of perseverance, a race that has been marked out for us. Last week I was gone, as you might have noticed, some of you, some of you didn't, 
But I was gone. And I was gone for a great reason. And I'm going to use that reason this morning to set the stage. Last week, I had the privilege of baptizing one of my grandchildren, uh, my granddaughter who had given her heart to the Lord. And uh, in that process, I shared with her that Christianity is not something that we get as, a, as we come to Christ and then we're done. It is the beginning of the process. I want you to listen to her story. Uh, just watch the screen if you would. I'm getting baptized. About a month ago, I watched my grandfather's service and Pastor Daniel's service, and they were both preaching about obeying God and telling others about God. I knew I wanted to get baptized. My brother Blake immediately got his Bible and his book that he got when he was getting baptized, and we started reading scriptures in the Bible. He told me that I had to say that I needed Jesus to live in my heart. And after, after reading some scriptures, scriptures I, I, I said the sinner's prayer. prayer. I am so, so glad that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and rose again. I'm getting baptized because it's an act of obedience to God. And because I want my family and friends and church to know that I love God. But getting saved is the first step. It is the first step in the process of sticking to Jesus because He has stuck to us. So I wanted you to see not only her testimony, now I want you to see this first act of obedience that we all are supposed to follow once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord. Watch this next video. Commandment that God gives to all of us after we receive Him is to follow since today, you come, come to be baptized before your, your friends, friends, your family, and the church. Madison, do you have Jesus Christ living in your heart? Yes. Madison, are you going to follow Jesus the best of your ability the rest of your life? Yes. Madison, based upon your testimony of your faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Life is going to be good now that you're my child. Now, don't, don't get all upset and, and, and crazy on me because I, I want you to hear what I, I've got to say. Perseverance is important because God does not promise Christians an easy life. Some preachers, however, may have told you, just come to Christ and your life will get better. We should not say that, for it is not true. It is absolutely not true. For you and I to come to Christ means that there are going to now be troubles and tribulation in our life. The truth of the matter is, Christ does make our life better, but coming to Christ does not mean it is the end of all the troubles of life. I was with a family and talking to a young man who just graduated high school and, and, and his mother's in, in uh, end stages of life. And we were talking about why should we continue to follow Christ when we see that our life seems to be falling apart around us. Because God never promised it would be easy. But he did make some promises to us. Just coming to Christ and putting your faith in Him does not promise the problems are over. We, you know, the truth is that, that we might have um, troubles and trials in life, but we have promises that we can hold on to. In fact, some ways life is going to get harder. And I want to talk about some of those ways life is going to get harder. Listen, first of all, in Romans, if you've got your Bibles, just go ahead and flip with me. We'll try to get to... Scripture on the screen as well. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verses 18 through 21 is where I'm going to read here in a moment. One of the reasons is because we live in a fallen world. Did you know that the, the world around us is what's considered to be a fallen world, a sinful world? Uh, there was once a time when God made it all perfect, and there was a garden, and, and He placed Adam and Eve in there, and it was everything was right, everything was in order, everything was perfect until sin came in. And when sin came in, it disrupted the perfection that God had created. When sin came in, God said, you no longer can stay in the perfection of the garden, but now you must go out and live in the fallenness of the world. Listen, my friends, we live in a fallen world. And here's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, verses 18 through 21. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature that was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who has subjected uh, the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto or into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Paul begins to compare this world to the world that's going to come, to the next. And he describes this world, the one that we're living in, as our present time of suffering. You see, the Apostle Paul doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, listen, as a believer in Christ, you're living in a fallen world, and in that present time in which you're living, there's going to be suffering. Anybody suffer in this world? Yeah, we all do. We all can tell of times that we have had struggles, sicknesses, affliction, death, loss, hurt, um, money trouble, marital trouble. We can go on and on. Sin has corrupted this world. 
And there are suffering in this world. But listen to what he says. We cannot compare the suffering of this world, the, the subjected to the frustrations, to the bondage of decay. God created the world good, but we no longer live in that paradise. He said we're living in a decayed and broken world that has caused conflict and, and struggle in our life. We live in a fallen world where sin has affected our relationship with God first and foremost. And listen, we talked about this last night. We talked about this in Sunday school. The reality is that when our relationship with God is broken, our relationship with everything else is a mess. And too many Christians are living with broken relationships with God. The Bible says that if we have sin in our heart and we have sin in our life that we have not dealt with, we have grieved the Spirit and therefore broken fellowship with God. Many of us are struggling with sin that we haven't let go of yet that God keeps telling us has to be taken care of. And we wonder why we can't get along with our fellow man. We wonder why we can't get along with ourselves. We wonder why the world just looks so dim and glim. It's because our relationship with God is broken. And God's word says that when our relationship with God is broken, everything else is broken. But not only is sin broken our relationship with God, it's broken our relationship with others. It's broken our relationship with the created order. We are at war with the world. Now, there are a lot of people that are talking about global warming. They're talking about overpopulation. And all of these things have a merit of truth. There is issues because we have broken the order that God has established for his world. Therefore, we know that we are causing havoc upon the world. The earthquake that we had not too long ago was the world just telling us, I'm at odds, I'm broken, we're not in order, things are shaking. The reality is sin has corrupted every level of our life. Sin has destroyed relationships, it's destroyed and breaking down the, uh, the, the order in which God has established the entire creation was subject to the frustration because sin waits for the day when God shall restore everything back to its rightful order. But in the meantime, this is where you and I live. We live in the midst of sin. We live in a world that is broken. Now, I don't know about you, but I long to come to church to meet with God's people because I know they are broken people redeemed by the Lord and I am encouraged by others who are broken but redeemed. And therefore, we come together as the children of God to be encouraged one another that we live in a broken world because we're broken, but I come to celebrate the redemption of God with you. Sin hurts. Sin kills. Sin brings disease. Sin destroys lives. And we live in a world that is filled with sin. And because we do, we are also promised this, that we should expect trials. The reality is that trials are going to come. Again, a couple of scriptures that I want us to go to, Luke 16, verse 33, and then Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. Another reason why God doesn't promise you an easy life is because he knows that as Christians, we should expect the trials and tribulations of life. Jesus said it plainly like this in John. 
He said, in the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Ain't that great? He said, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. But don't let them drag you down. Don't let them beat you to the ground. For I have overcome the problem of the world. Jesus died on the cross to take our sin and the sin of the world away. He's beat it on Calvary's cross. And for you and I today, we need to recognize, yes, we're going to have trials, but we don't have to be beaten by our trials. We can come out the other side as victors. Jesus knew that as Christians, the world spells trouble. The world stands opposed to the things of God and the things of Christ. And so the world stands opposed to those who follow Christ. Jesus said, if they have troubled me, how much more will they trouble you? who follow after me. Jesus wanted us to know that the world gave him a fit. And for you and I as Christians in the 21st century, we better expect the world to give us a fit. It's living in the midst of its sin and when we shine the light of righteousness and holiness into the darkness of sin, it's like stirring a cockroach. They get all intense and they run and scurry everywhere, but they come back out in the dark. The reality is that we as Christians need to let our light so shine that there is not a moment of darkness for the sin to scurry back in. When you stand up for Christ in your faith, you will face opposition in this world today. Not only from other people. Oh no, not just from the people of this world, but listen, let me remind you that there is a spiritual battle going on. There is a spiritual war that is going on. The Bible tells us that we are involved in a great spiritual battle. And everyone that takes a stand for Christ basically paints a big target on them and says, Satan, here am I. I got my bow's eye on. Go ahead and start shooting. Ain't you glad that Paul said in Ephesians 6 that we have the shield of faith that when the Satan of this world throws his fiery darts, I've got something to quench the fire. We need to put on the whole armor of God because we're in a spiritual battle that begins in the power of prayer. I know our little ones in Sunday school were learning about prayer. I slipped down real quick just to listen to them and, and, and they were learning about the power that God has given us when we pray together. A family that prays together will stay together. When Paul and Barnabas were first missionaries, they brought people to Christ. They were quite clear about this spiritual battle. And in Acts chapter uh, uh, 14 and verses 21 through 22, here's what the Apostle Paul uh, shared with them. And when they had preached the gospel to the city and they had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconian and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Listen, my friends, if you think it's going to be a cakewalk, you're going to get saved, baptized, and everything's going to go good, and you're going to prance on into heaven. You've got another thing coming. That's not what the Christian life is like. 
it hasn't from the first century and it isn't in the 21st century. It is always going to be a time of need for perseverance. We must stick with God because he is stuck to us. Did you catch what he said? Not just the trials here or trials there. Not just a few struggles at the beginning. We must go through many hardships in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because it is a growing process. Without the hardships of life, we do not mature in our relationship with Christ. God does not want a bunch of babies coming to heaven. He wants a mature army of God when we get there. And we do that by going through the struggles and trials of life. COVID-19 and all of the fun of 2020 is simply for us an opportunity for us to grow in Christ and church. We must stand up and we must grow up for Jesus Christ. We live in a fallen world and as Christians we need to expect tribulation and trials. The second thing I want you to see that God promises. As Christians, God does promise to be with you. He doesn't promise us an easy life, but he does promise that he's going to be with us. Amen? Aren't you glad of that? God doesn't promise you an easy road, but somewhere along the line, he says, I want you to know I'm always there. We'll look at that. I remember Howard Jones, for those of you that remember old Howard, Howard used to come by my office quite often and we'd sit and talk, and no doubt Howard would make this statement to me at some point. He'd say, preacher, God never promised us a smooth flight, but just a safe landing. I love that. I've remembered that for all these years. You know, life is not promised to be smooth. And I've been on a lot of airplanes where the flight was not smooth, but when we made it back on ground, everything was good. That's what God promises. He says, listen, there's going to be some bumps and humps and dumps and, and dips and trips and all of that along life's journey. But don't worry, I will get you to the final destination. God promises that. That's why I like to say to people, becoming a Christian will not necessarily make your life easier, but in everything it will make your life better. Amen? All right, you're going to go through trials anyway, so why not come through those trials as a Christian, knowing that as a Christian we have God on our side? God offers two things in particular as we go through the life's trials. Because he lives, he can promise these two things for us. Jesus gives us peace. In Philippians chapter 4, in verses 6 through 7, he gives us the peace of God. Paul said to uh, the Philippians, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You remember what the psalmist said? Thy word have I hid in thy heart that I might not sin against thee. Can I just encourage you? This is one of those words that we need to hide in our heart. This is one of those passages of Scripture that we need to memorize, that we need to hold on to, that we need to, to make a part of our life. The psalmist told us that we need to hide the Word of God in our heart because there's going to be times in our lives when we're going to need to go back to the very Word in which God has spoken to all of us for the help and strength. Our peace cometh not from this world. Not from, we learned last night, not even from our spouses. For those of you that didn't get to come last night, you would have learned this. 
Peace does not come from your spouse. It comes from the Lord only. Uh, This is one of those wonderful promises that we need to hide. When you hit those trials in life, and you will, we don't need to worry and be anxious. We simply need to take everything before the Lord in prayer. There's a lot of things in life that that are bigger than you. All right, can we all admit to that? Lots of things in life that are bigger than me. But I've not yet found one thing bigger than my God. My God is bigger than all of my problems. Now, there's times when I try to make my problems bigger than my God, and that's when I stumble and fall. But when I realize that my problems may be bigger than me, they are never bigger than my God. Instead of looking at how big your problems are, folks, we need to start thinking about and focusing on how big our God is. Our God is bigger and greater than all of our problems. We need to remember that God is able. Peace comes from knowing that He has the power to love us and He has the power to rest us and He has the power to rescue us. As God gives you the peace, it is a peace unlike anything the world has to offer. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace and His peace passes all understanding and will guard our hearts and, and, and our minds in Him. But Jesus also promises, not only is He the peace that comes, but Jesus also promises that He is the presence in time of need. There's been a lot of times, and perhaps maybe for you as well, times when you have felt as though you were all alone. Over the years, I've studied such Bible characters as Elisha and others who felt that aloneness, even David, and and felt that, you know, I've been there. I felt like I was living on a desert island. Though there were people all around me, I was all alone. But I come to realize that I was never alone, and I've come to realize that None of us are ever alone. So I have come to the place where when I'm visiting our shut-ins and folks that I know don't get a whole lot of company, when I pray with them, oftentimes I will pray that they will recognize that God has promised that He will never leave them nor forsake them, that they are never, ever truly alone. Isn't it great to know that, that God says that we are never alone, that He is always going to be there with us? Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Unto the end of time. He doesn't say I'll be with you for a period of time. He says I will be with you until the end of time. Until it's all done. When we're going through those white hot fire trials of life, We can find the comfort in the fact that Jesus has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. You may not be able to see him visibly. Always reminds me of that little story of the little boy that was afraid of the thunderstorm. He had went to bed one night and a thunderstorm struck up and the lightning and all of that. And he hollered down, Dad, can I come down and sit next to you? I'm, I'm afraid of the dark and the thunder and the lightning and... And his dad said, no, son, you're all right. Jesus is with you. And a few minutes later, the crack and the thunder and the lights and everything flashed. And he hollered down at the top of the stairs, Dad, can I come sit with you? I'm afraid. 
Son, I told you over and over again, Jesus is with you. The little boy hollering back down, God, Dad, Dad, I know Jesus is with me, but I really need somebody with flesh on. (laughs) We may not be able to see him, but we can feel him. We can know that he's there. And when we need it most, guess what he does? He sends somebody with flesh on to be there with us too, to walk through it with us. I'm sure all of you have seen that little poem called The Footprints. Poem where the person looked back at life and saw two sets of footprints starting off in life when everything was grand and great. and They realized one was them and one was the Lord. And and they looked back at life and found the time when life got very hard and very difficult and they didn't know they were going to make it. And they looked back and they saw only one set of footprints. And the fellow in the poem asked the Lord, Lord, what happened? Where did you go? Why weren't you there? You were walking with me when things were good, but when things got hard, where were you? And he said, oh, my son. He said, you're misreading the footprints in the sand. He said, see, that single set of footprints was not yours, but mine. For during the hardest time of your life, I was carrying you. I'm always with you. And when I need to, I will pick you up and carry you through. Aren't you glad that God promises such things to us? God does not make the promise to you that life is going to be easy. He does, however, make the promise to you that He will help you with His peace and comfort. And He will carry you through the hard times of life with His presence. And knowing that should help us to persevere when life gets tough, as it is in 2020. The third point that I want to make this morning, I hope becomes the glue that sticks us to God as He is stuck to us. For the Christian, God promises great benefits to those who persevere. My friends, too many of us are living in the here and the now and looking at all of our troubles and our problems and our woes and our wants. When we really ought to take a look at what's coming next. What the promise of God offers us. And when we take our eyes off the problems of, God, uh, of life and start looking at the promises of the future life, will change our entire perspective. I hope that this point about perseverance helps us to stick to God the way that He has stuck to us. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 6 through 7, Peter reminds us that sticking with it shows our faith to be genuine. You and I need a genuine faith. We don't need an imitation faith. Because imitation faith never holds up. It always falls apart. But the only way that we're going to have a genuine faith is by going through some things with God. One of the benefits that God says to us, according to the Bible, is that your faith is shown to be genuine. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though through now for a season... It need be, ye are in heaviness 
through manifold temptations. That the trials of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And I just say to you, first of all, that most people read this scripture incorrectly. And what do I mean by that? We tend to read this scripture is that um, the benefit is in the, uh, uh, the trial. It's not what it's saying. The benefit is not in the trial. It's kind of like what James says when he says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you go through many different types of trials and tribulations. He's not saying that that's going to be a joyful experience for you. He's saying that because of the trial, there are benefits. What is the benefit that, that we read here that Peter is talking about? He's talking about our faith. He says, when our faith is put through the fire, that's what is precious. That's what's great about it. The book of 1 Peter in the New Testament was written to a group of Christians who were experiencing severe persecution for their faith. Peter wrote to encourage them in their faith and especially to encourage them to continue to persevere in spite of the persecution. Peter's not saying that their faith itself is greater than gold. Mm -mm. Now it's not that our faith is greater than gold, but the trying or testing of their faith is more valuable than any gold. I think Jesus said it best when he said, what does it gain a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? You see, we can have all the gold of the world, but if we don't have a faith that is genuinely placed in Jesus Christ, we've lost it all. We're going home empty-handed. For an eternity, we're going to wish that we had trust in Christ. He says, the trying of your faith, the fires of trials and tribulation are what grows you into the person that God wants you to be. When we go through the trials of life, it is like gold testing, um, uh, being tested by fire. When gold is melted down, all the impurities rise to the top and they're burned off. Our trials may feel like we're going through the fire. But remember what God is doing for us is getting rid of that which is not genuine, not real, and leaving only that which is pure, 100% genuine faith in Him. We are called to persevere. That's what we need to remember today. That no matter what life throws at us, no matter what fire we must go through, we're called to persevere because there are benefits that are on the other side of the fire. My faith, your faith, grows stronger when we go through the trials of this life. The second thing that we're reminded of that God promises that are benefits when we persevere is sticking with it develops a good character. 
God wants us all to have a good character. Another benefit of sticking with the perseverance is that God is constantly developing our character. Now, for many of us, we've been characters all our lives. But God's trying to make us good characters. Okay, He's taking that character and making a better character out of it. All right? So... James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We don't rejoice in the trials for the sake of trials themselves. Rather, as Christians, we know that going through trials is what makes us better, makes us more like Him. I don't know about you, but my prayer is, Lord, make me less like me and more like you every day. And if that means that I've got to go through some trials, if that means that I've got to go through some heartaches and hardships, I don't want to, Lord, but if that's what it takes to make my character more like you, I guess I got to. Christians, we rejoice in the trials we face because the results they produce in us. The testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance develops character. I don't know about you, but some of the most solid Christians that I know in my life are some of the people that have gone through the most difficult areas of life. And because they've went through them, they didn't bypass them. They didn't cut them short. They went through them. When they come out the other side, they were strong, mature followers of Christ, ready for the next thing that God had for them. Over my years, I have went to those folks. I've sought them out and looked for them, to talk with them, to ask the question, how do you get through those difficult trials of life. The answer always is hand in hand with the Lord. Don't ever try to do it on your own. Hand in hand with our God. His peace and His presence are so important. God promises that when you stand firm and you persevere in the faith, even under the worst conditions imaginable, you will be saved. Meaning that you will be delivered from the fiery trials of life. Now don't get that confused with salvation. He's not saying we've got to go through trials, that's how we get saved. No, he's saying as a Christian, Going through the trials, you can be assured when you're walking through them hand in hand with the Lord, He is going to get you through the trial. Now, started a, a study of Daniel on Thursdays with my group on Thursday mornings, and I was reminded of this scripture, getting ready and studying ahead and looking Daniel chapter 3. Remember the three fellows, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You remember King Nebuchadnezzar builds this big statue and says to all the people, bow down. When you hear the music, you've got to bow down and worship this great statue that resembles me. 
Okay? I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in Daniel chapter 3 and verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing together answered the, Lord, uh, answered the king and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We know the story. We know that God showed up in the midst of the trial of the fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar looks down in there and he says, but man, I thought we threw three men in there. Wait a minute, I count four. I'm like Tony, I'm not very good at other things, but I can count. And wait a minute, that one looks like the son of the living God. Oh, my friends, what that tells us, what that promises us, is that it is a beautiful picture of God's deliverance and his salvation, even in the face of death, he promises. If you persist, if you persevere, if you stick with me, I will stick with you. And rather through the fire or in the fire or die in the fire, I will take you home. We have a promise from God. We have a promise from God. But that promise is contingent on you and I having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That promise is not made for those who are doing their own thing, their own way, but for those who have given their heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've not done so today, today's a great day to just say, Lord, I'm tired of doing it my way. I want to come and do it your way. I want your salvation, your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. As Christians, we're called to persevere. Tammy, if you would make your way to the piano for me. We're on this long haul called life. Does it mean that everything's going to go perfect? doesn't mean that everything's going to go smooth. Trust me. You're going to stumble, you're going to fall. Because we all do. But what that means to all of us is because we are going in the presence of the Lord, that He can pick us up. And He can start us over again. And we can keep on going through this journey called life. When you commit to Christ, when you tell Him that, that you want to serve, when I asked Madison last week, do you have Jesus in your heart? Are you going to serve Him all the days of your life? Not just as a child, not just when she grows old, but all the days in between. God asks us all that question. Will you trust me? Will you serve me? Will you walk with me all the days of your life? 
Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about walking daily with Jesus, living with Him and for Him. As Christians, we're called to set our face towards the goal, the prize, the high calling of Jesus Christ, heaven and heaven's place of glory. There's a song that we sing. I think the words are going to be on the screen. I want Tammy to play it. It's called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And I want you to stand here in the audience as we uh, have a time of invitation. I want you to stand and just read the words as they're going through. And Brother Ron, if you don't mind, just come up here because at some point I might just ask you to lead us in the chorus. As Tammy begins to play, the words will begin to show up on the screen. I want you to look at what they say. You know, so often we tend to just sing along the song. But I want you to read the words. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. And because of that, I cannot turn back. Let's go to the next verse. The world is behind me. As a believer, we leave the things of this world in our uh, back end. All right? The cross is ever before us because it is at the cross where we are bought and paid for. It is at the cross where Jesus paid the price for our sins. We cannot turn back once we've come to the cross. We must continue to walk with Him. The next verse, please. You may end up walking alone. Many of you know what it is like to walk this journey alone. Maybe a spouse is not saved. Maybe uh, family members are not saved. Maybe um, your friends are not saved. And you feel like you're walking this journey all alone. But let me remind you, you're never alone. Jesus is always there with you. And we must continue to follow even though nobody else is walking with us. We cannot turn back. Is there another verse? The question, will you decide to follow Jesus today? Will you follow Him? If you're willing to follow Jesus today, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, would you come down here? Brother Josh is right here. I know that he would do me the favor and speak to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're at home uh, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, at the end of this, there will be a little place where you'll see where you can contact us, call us, email us. We will come and do whatever. We will send you, come, whatever we can do. We want you to know how to follow Jesus. We don't want you to say, I would have, but if they never showed me how. We want you to come follow Jesus. If you're willing to follow Jesus, would you just lift up your hands that are here in the room? If you're willing to follow Jesus, say, Lord, here am I. Here am I, Lord. I'm willing to follow I'm willing to go wherever it is that you want me to go. I'm not turning back, but I'm walking towards. I'm living for.
So let's go back to that chorus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Ron, would you just lead us in that? Tammy, if you can get us to that place, please. Where are you today? Are you willing to follow the Lord as we leave this room today? Are you willing to walk where He walks? Willing to go where He sends? Willing to do what He commands? I have decided to follow Jesus, and I hope you will too. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then Brother Josh is going to dismiss you. I'll be out there in the foyer, uh, just given an opportunity for you if you need to speak to me. Uh, before you leave today, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to worship you today. Oh, thank you for Sunday school. Thank you for the folks that are here in the sanctuary. Thank you for you being with us today. Oh, Father, thank you that you have stuck to me so that I might be able to stick with you. Oh, Father, thank you for allowing me to serve you. Lord, I know that life will not be easy, but I thank you that we have you holding our hands. Lord, carry us when we need to be carried. Lord, lead us where we need to be led. Show us what we need to see, O Lord, and then let us tell others of your goodness to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. For those of you at home, thank you for watching.